0: Okay, can I invite you to take your seats? Every other person I spoke to was Iggy's friend (laughs) today. Okay, welcome uh, once again to to Loud Jen. As I said, my name is Joanne. I'm the, hi hi everybody. <laughs> I'm you pastor here. Um. Yeah, so we're gonna have we're gonna have a sermon now, and um, if any of you would, would like a Bible, we are we will be very happy to. Leah, you need a Bible. You need. <laughs> Yeah, if you need a Bible, or the person next to you needs a Bible. Can you just raise your hand, and our friendly ushers will will hand you a Bible. Um, we would be very happy to give you to give your Bible. And you can follow along. Mancham Iggy's wedding, he's like, "Hi, everybody! Hi, everybody!" Okay, are we ready? <laughs> okay, so um, for the past six weeks uh, in, in our ministry, we've been going through this series called Encounters with Jesus. okay And today is the, the last sermon in the series. and let me just do a quick recap, okay. Um, we went through we went through a series of events, uh, uh, or encounters with Jesus, okay? For example, Jesus calming the storm. Um, and, and then we encountered Jesus, the healer. Okay, He healed the leper, the guy with leprosy, the paralytic, um, the boy possessed by the evil spirit, the man possessed by the demon, the woman with the issue of blood. Um, so he, he healed all these people, right? And then we, we we heard about Jesus' encounter with the rich young man, which is that Chinese Jesus there. Uh, and, and last week, we looked at Mary... Anointing uh, Jesus, she broke this expensive jar of perfume. Now, as we read through the Gospels, okay, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, we, we see Jesus healing people, uh, performing miracles, you know, like, like he, he calmed the storm, he fed the 5,000 people. We see him preaching to crowds, um, but we also see him having these personal encounters with people, right? Like with the rich young man, or if you know the story of Zacchaeus or Nicodemus or the woman by the well. You know, he, he encountered people personally, individuals. And in the second half of most of the, the Gospels, Jesus begins to talk about his death, okay, his coming death. He says, my time has come. And, and last week, we looked at Mary and, and, the, and the perfume and all that. And, and she poured perfume on, on Jesus. And Jesus says, she did this to prepare me for my burial, Okay. And after uh, this incident, this perfume incident, Judas, Judas the betrayer, okay, he went to the religious leaders uh, to betray Jesus. And in the story that we're going to look at today, Jesus is arrested, he's brought to trial, just before he is crucified and dies on the cross. Okay, so so just a, a quick recap. Um, that's all the stuff that we've been looking at. Now, through all these stories and encounters, the question I hope we constantly think about is the same question that Jesus asked his disciples. He asked them, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? And I hope that this is the question that confronts you today. Who is Jesus to you? You know, you can hear tons of sermons about him. You can read stories about him. But there's no point to all of that unless you encounter him for yourself and get to know him for yourself. You see, Jesus is not just a healer, he is your healer. He is not just a savior, he is your savior. And he is not just a God, but Jesus is God Himself, God the Son, He is your God. And the question we have to all ask ourselves is: Is He my God? Is He the Lord of my life? And and my prayer for every one of us here today is that, that each of us will personally encounter Jesus Christ. God of the universe, King of kings, our Lord, and our Savior today. Can I invite you to just close your eyes and let me say a prayer um, before we start today. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, for the Bible. We thank you that it speaks to us, that you speak to us today. And God, we pray that today you will speak to every one of us in this room. God, we pray that Holy Spirit... You will, you will send us the message that you have for each of us, and you will encounter us personally today. So God, we invite you here. Holy Spirit, we say, would you reign in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Today, the story that we're going to look at um, is a story of what I would call an epic failure, epic fail. Okay, uh, And as part of my sermon prep, um, because you know I'm all about uh, dedication to excellence and quality content, uh, I spent a long time painstakingly scrolling through memes and um, Google, Google images to find funny examples of epic fails. Unfortunately, um, many of them were inappropriate because they're so vulgar, and um, so I can't show them to you. And the best I could come up with was this golf gif. It's Jesse. And the. Oh, well, you don't get it. No, that, it hit the guy who's... Okay, 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 fine. Fine, we'll change it. Okay. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> unfortunately, um, unfortunately uh, and sadly, uh, our story today of Peter, Peter's epic fail, is, uh, is not funny at all. In fact, when I read this story, I uh, it's a very sad story, and, and I find it heartbreaking because... My immediate thoughts are number one: How could Peter do that to Jesus? You know, after all Jesus has done for him, um, after everything that Peter has seen and experienced of Jesus, like how could Peter do that? But my second thought is: If I were Peter and if I were in that situation, I would probably do the same thing. You know, because I, I, I suck just as much as as Peter. And I don't know if I don't know if any of you here have ever felt like a complete failure. You know, I you know not not the meme kind, you know, but the kind where you you majorly screwed up and, and and you maybe you disappointed someone, maybe even yourself, um, and you, you disappointed them so bad that all you can think of is what in the world is wrong with me. And I, I, I don't know if any of you can relate to doing something so stupid and hurting someone you, you love or, or 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 yeah, just majorly screwing up that that you just feel like, wow, I I really am a failure in life. And for Christians specifically. Maybe some of us will understand this feeling of failure because you know at all these camps and conferences or something, you know, we like to make these big declarations to God, right? Jesus, I am willing to go to the ends of the earth and I'll die for you. I'll give you everything you know, and then like the next day we like we give into temptation and, and we watch porn or something, you know? Or we or we swear at our parents or 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 we, we just simply choose to like binge watch Netflix instead of spending time with God or, or something like that. And I don't know about you, but I've I've been there, done that so many times, you know. God, I, I love you. I will give you my life. And, and then the very same night, when I say, like, I'm going to spend time with God, read my Bible, I'm just like, oh, Netflix, next, 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 just one more episode, right? Or like, or, or like you know, I, like, I see there's a sale on, on online, ASOS or whatever, and then I spend the next two hours like scrolling through my phone instead of spending time with God and all that, you know? And, 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 yeah, I don't know if you can identify with that, right? Those moments of, God, I, I, I'll do anything for you. I lay my life before you. And I surrender. And next day, God says, like, you know, I show love to this person. And you're like, ew, he's gross. Like, I hate him. You know, he's the most annoying person in the world. Like, and then you just, just do something horrible or something. And, and for those of us who are Christians, you know, as we look at Peter's denial today, I think we have to ask ourselves, do we, do we deny Christ as well? You know, our, our specific situation and circumstances may not be as dramatic as Peter's, but perhaps we deny Christ just the same by the things that we say or we don't say, by the things that we, we do or we don't do, or, or, or just the way we behave. And, and again, I'm guilty of this all the time, like so many missed opportunities. You know, when I could have spoken up for my faith and I didn't, or when I could have showed the love of Christ, and I didn't. My actions completely dishonor God. And I think denying Christ is simply letting him down in, in, in whatever way. And I think we have to consider today, what does it mean to deny Jesus in my life? But, but let's start by going through what actually happened, okay? I'm going to take you through what happened um, in the lead-up to Peter's denial. And, and this is also the lead-up to Jesus going on the cross to die. You know, in the Bible, there are uh, the four Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you look at the New Testament, these are the first four books. And these books give us accounts. They they describe the time of when Jesus uh, was on earth as a man. And this story of Peter's denial, uh, uh, Peter's betrayal, it appears in all four Gospels. And so if we read um, all four, we will get a fuller picture. Okay, so I'm not going to read out... Uh, all, all four accounts to you, but I will be referring to them uh, here and there, okay? So, here is the sequence of events, okay, uh, that leads to, to Peter's denial. So, firstly, the disciples are at the Last Supper. I don't know if you've seen this famous painting of the Last Supper, okay? So, this is the the, the, the time where Jesus washes their feet. Um, you know, he breaks the bread. He's just like, this is my body, broken for you and all that, right? That's why we, we, we do it at communion as well, okay? So, he has Last Supper with them. Now, after that, he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, okay? This is where Jesus says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death because he knows he's going to, after this, he's going to suffer. He's going to die. He's going to die on a cross. And so he's in anguish, right? He's like earnestly praying. The Gospel of Luke says that he's he's praying until his sweat is like drops of blood falling to to the ground. And he tells God the Father, if it is possible, can I not do this? And yet, not my will, but yours. Okay? So very intense uh, emotional time the Garden of Gethsemane. Then after that, Jesus is arrested. Okay? Judas, the betrayer, he comes and gives him the kiss of death. Right? He comes with a bunch of people armed with clubs and swords. And they come to arrest Jesus. From there, Jesus is brought uh, to to trial before the religious leaders. Uh, Caiaphas, the high priest, Uh, The whole Sanhedrin, the religious council is there. They accuse him falsely. They bring out all these false witnesses against him. And finally, they they accuse him of of blasphemy and they sentence him to death. Okay? So, this is what's happening as uh, this is all the stuff that Jesus is going through. Now, all this while, Peter is also around. Okay? And I want to look at what's happening with Peter throughout all these things. Okay? So, the Last Supper, Peter is there. Right? And if you've read the Bible, you'll know that Peter is the kind of person, he likes to talk big. I don't know how else to explain it, but he likes to talk he likes to talk big lah, okay? He likes to 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 uh, say all these things. So so when Jesus is like he says, I'm gonna wash your feet, he's like, No, no, master, you cannot wash my feet. And 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 Jesus is like, um, if I don't wash your feet, you won't be clean. Oh, then wash my whole body as well. And Jesus is like, No, you only need to wash your feet. And he's just like Oh, you know, he's always saying these, like, stupid things, okay? Like, always, always uh, thinking that he's, re- he's really, like, like, cool and he's the best and all that. And then, after that, if you turn to your Bibles, let me just read this part, okay? In Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14, uh, verse 27 onwards. Actually, I have it on the screen, okay? Mark chapter 14, 27 onwards. Um, Jesus told his disciples... You will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be, will be scattered. But after I've risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter, Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically Even if I have to die for you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. Okay? So, at the Last Supper, um, there is actually a prediction of Peter's denial. Okay? Jesus predicts he's going to deny Jesus, right? And Peter says, no, no, never. But he says, no, you will. Okay? Then... They go to the Garden of Gethsemane, okay? Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, like his inner circle, okay? He takes him there to the, to, to the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, this is the moment when Jesus' most needed support, okay? Jesus is deeply distressed, and he is troubled because he knows soon he has to go and suffer and die. And so he goes to, um, he wants to go to be alone to pray, but he tells the three disciples, um, uh, Peter, James, and John, sit here and pray, Okay, so he goes off to pray. When he comes back, the disciples have fallen asleep. He's like, hey, wake up, pray. And then he goes away again, comes back, they fall asleep again. Goes away, It happens two more times. Okay, Mark 14, 40 says, when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. I mean, does anybody identify with that, right? They did not know what to say to him. Oh, like this is me, right? I mean, I I hope this is not just me. I mean, have you ever lay in bed to pray, and, and then the next morning you're like, oh, shucks, it's morning, sorry, sorry, God, <laughs> right? I, is it just me? I, I hope not. Uh, so, in the Garden of Gethsemane, at the lowest point of Jesus, Peter falls asleep, okay? Then... Jesus is arrested, right? So the men come with swords and clubs. They seize Jesus. They arrest him. Now, what did Peter do? Do you know what Peter did here? Peter, he drew his sword and he cut off this guy's ear. He cut, he struck the servant of the high priest and he cut off his ear. Okay? And Jesus says, stop. And then he heals the guy's ear. Okay? Now, as a side note, I always find this really amusing because... I mean, can you imagine, like, the ear is on the floor? And, like, Jesus picks up the ear. He puts it back. He's like, you're healed. Be healed in Jesus' name. And the guy's like, okay, I'm going to arrest you now. Like, I, I don't understand. I mean, he just did a miracle. Okay, people don't get it. Okay, so Jesus is arrested. Peter cuts off the guy's ear, right? And finally, while, while Jesus, while he was on trial, this is when Peter's denial took place, okay? Now, after Jesus was arrested, Peter, he followed at a distance, okay? And he was waiting outside in the courtyard while Jesus was in trial inside. Presumably, um, he wasn't allowed inside. And it's cold, okay? It's cold outside. So Peter was sitting around the fire, I guess, trying trying to warm up with other people. And basically what happened was that three times, three times Peter was asked, hey, aren't you one of Jesus' disciples? I mean, you're with him, right? And three times, the same thing, Peter said, what you talking about? No, no, no. I'm not with him. Like, I have no idea who he is. I don't know what you're talking about, right? If you read the book of Matthew, it says that the first time, the first time Peter denied it, the second time he denied it with an oath. I swear, I swear, I don't know that guy. And the third time, Peter called down curses on himself and swore, beep, 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 I don't know him. I I don't know how to curse in Galilean, right? But he was like, Curse, curse myself, and I don't don't know him. And then the cock crows, and Peter remembers. Peter remembers that just hours ago, Jesus said, Today, tonight, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And I bet you at that point, Peter also remembered his response. No, never, Lord. Even if all else falls, I will die for you. He remembers, remembers his response. And the Bible tells us he broke down and he wept. So actually, if you look at this, what has been happening, Peter is uh, hes not having a good day as a disciple of Jesus. You know, he keeps screwing up. Time and time again, he's doing and saying the wrong things. He is failing Jesus at the most critical time. And I'm sure that when... The cock crowed, that everything that happened in the past few hours was just burning in his mind, and he probably realized what an utter failure and screw up and disappointment he was. He probably felt, What in the world is wrong with me? And he broke down and he wept. Now, for those of you, those of us who don't know the rest of the Bible, you know, I, I think I also need to explain that that Peter's failure and Peter's denial of Jesus is especially epic, because for the past three years, he had personally witnessed all of Jesus' miracles and all the great things he had done. He saw firsthand the love and compassion that Jesus had towards people. He had seen Jesus preaching tirelessly to the crowds, healing them, serving them, and he saw all the miracles. Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. You know, Peter saw Jesus raise a sick girl from the dead. He raised Lazarus from the dead. This guy Lazarus who had been buried for four days, Jesus raised him from the dead. He saw how Jesus used five loaves and two fish and multiplied the food to feed a crowd of more than 5,000 people. He was in that boat when Jesus, you know, it was was a wind and the waves and Jesus just stood up and said, Shh and everything was calm. He saw all the miracles. He saw Jesus walking on water, and Peter himself walked on the water with Jesus. He was there on the mountain, an event we call the Transfiguration, where, you know, there was a cloud that enveloped Jesus, and and the voice of God came out from heaven saying, this is my son. You know, listen to him, right? He saw all that. He experienced all that. And I told you at the start, when Jesus asked the disciples the question, who do you say I am? Peter is the one who declared, you are the Christ, Jesus. You are the Messiah. You are the anointed one, the promised one. You are God. Essentially, that is what he was saying. You see, Peter had walked with Jesus. He had experienced the love, the care, the glory, the power of Jesus. He had tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And yet, yet, in this moment, of reckoning, he failed. He epically failed Jesus. You know, I've been reading the story over and over again this week, and, and yes, Peter's failure is epic, but I think, I think maybe we can also cut Peter a little bit of slack. And to be honest, I'm hoping to cut Peter some slack because I feel like he really represents all of us. You know, all of us as disciples trying to live for Jesus and still failing. And I don't know about you, I really, I identify with Peter a lot. Like, he's my favorite character. And I think, I think maybe we can cut in some slack because, firstly, if you look at the sequence of events, right, all this is taking place at night, okay? They have their supper in the evening. So when they get to the garden, um, they, they're probably falling asleep because it's time to sleep. You know, it's, it's late at night. They, probably, they had a, probably had a big meal, things to drink. Right, it's tired. It's late, and then you know what they're like, falling asleep. Suddenly, suddenly, there's this arrest. Like suddenly, their bro Judas, right, who is, I mean, he's been one of them, right, leads this this crowd of swords and, and clubs and all that, and and suddenly comes and they arrest they arrest Jesus. I mean, that would have been extremely shocking and traumatic for Peter and the disciples, right? They weren't expecting it because even though Jesus spoke of his death so many times, the disciples never showed signs of really understanding it. And so in this traumatic period, it is probably why Peter cut off the guy's ear. I mean, what good does it do cutting off his ear? Like in battle, do they tell you to aim for the ear? Like, I mean, (laughs) he's probably like, ah! And he took out his sword and he just like, anyhow, and like, oh, the ear came off, right? He was probably in a frenzy, um, you know, he was just like freaking out and doing a stupid thing. And then when, it, when we finally get to Jesus' trial, um, I was trying to read up, you know, it's, it's probably between midnight to 3 a.m. It's late. It's late. He's tired. Uh, it's been a very stressful few hours. And so Peter was caught off guard when a random girl suddenly questioned him. And he had to decide in that moment whether to deny Jesus or if he, if he said, yeah, I'm one of him, who knows what will happen? Is he going like, to be brought into the trial as well? Like, he doesn't know. So Peter was tired. He was, he was traumatized. Now, surely we can identify with that. I, you know, I think temptation is the hardest to deal with when you're tired and when you're stressed, right? Whatever it is that you're struggling with, I'm pretty sure you struggle with it a lot more when you're tired and when you're stressed. And that's why Peter failed. He was caught in a vulnerable moment and he was unprepared. Now, the second reason why I think uh, we can cut Peter some slack is, and I think people often forget this because Peter's denial is, is, is so significant, but do you realize that actually only two of the disciples actually followed Jesus to the courtyard? To the high priest's house. The rest of them, when Jesus was arrested, they immediately saw, you know, they're all gone. In, in John 18, 15, okay, in the Gospel of John, it says Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Okay, so this is written by John, okay? This this uh this John guy, he likes to refer to himself as like Another disciple, the disciple, I don't know why, that I don't know why you can't just use the first person narrative, okay, but he says, Simon and another disciple, me, were following Jesus, because this disciple, me, I was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest courtyard, but Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple, John, who was known to the high priest, came back, spoke to the servant girl who was on duty there and brought Peter in, okay, so it was probably, Peter was alone in that courtyard, and John probably went in with Jesus, right, Where are the rest? No mention. They ran away already. If you look at the accounts in in Matthew and Mark, right? Actually, um, Peter is not the only one who made this big, I will die for you declaration. All of the disciples, actually all of them, they also talk big, you know? They all said, right? Peter declared, even if I have to die for you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. But then read down a few verses, verse 56. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. Right? Same thing we see uh, in Mark 14. So, at the very least, at the very least, Peter was the one, together with John, who didn't run away at first. Right? Like, yes, he denied Jesus. But at least he went one step further than the rest. You see, Peter wasn't a Judas. He wasn't a Judas who... Fully intended, he already planned, pre-me, pre-mediated, uh, planned to betray Jesus, right? Peter meant well, you know. He really did. It's it's just like us, right? I mean, it's me, right? I I really do mean it, you know, in those moments when I say, God, I will do anything for you. I'll give my life to you and, and all that, you know? It's not like I have, I have no intention of doing that, of serving God, but I just, I just pretend and just anyhow say it. No, it's, I mean, it's not like that. We mean well, right? We, we mean well when, when, we, when we say these things to God. And yet, we still fail, just like Peter. You know, Thomas Akempis, 15th century priest, he wrote this. How great is the frailty of human nature, which is ever prone to evil. Today, you confess your sins. Tomorrow, you again commit the sins which you confessed. One moment, you resolve to be careful, and yet, after an hour, you act as though you had made no resolution. I mean, it's story of my life, right? And the Apostle Paul um, echoes a similar thing in Romans 7. He says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. You know, we mean well, right? We, we want to follow Jesus. We want to obey Him. But we fail. You know, as I was thinking about this, uh, this, this story, you know, all four of the gospel writers, they are all Peter's friends, you know. Matthew, okay, Matthew was one of the 12 disciples, right? Mark, many people say the gospel of Mark, is the first gospel written, it was written by John Mark, and he wrote it with Peter. So he wrote it based on Peter's preachings and, 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 and all that, okay? So Matthew, his friend, Luke, his friend. Uh, sorry, Matthew, Mark, Luke, his friend. Uh, Luke is Dr. Luke, okay? If you read Acts, he worked closely with uh, with Paul. He definitely knew Peter as well. And John was another another of the 12 disciples, the one who was with him, right? The one whom Jesus loved, okay? And you know, Peter, Peter could have easily said, "Hey, bros, let's just leave out this part, okay? This denying part. I mean, it's really embarrassing, right? It's really say, you know? And then, uh, Maybe the, all the four friends are like, ha no. <laughs> or or, 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 or what, 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 what do you think? Why is it included? Actually, how would they all have even known that this happened? Peter was alone, right? It was probably Peter who, who told them. And I think that this account appears in the Bible and in all four Gospels four times because it serves as both a warning as well as an encouragement to us. Let's look at a warning first. Now, I believe that this account of of what happened with Peter is really a warning for us against pride, against self-confidence, against thinking, we'll be fine. I won't deny you, Jesus. You can count on me. I'm ready to die for you. That's what Peter did. That's what he said. He boasted that he's better than everyone else. Even if all fall away, not me. I'm your guy. I will be the one you can count. That's what he kept saying, right? And, okay, to be fair, I mean, he tried, right? He cut off the ear. I mean, like, dumb effort, but at least some effort instead of running away, right? He followed at, at a distance, but at least he followed. So, yeah, he tried, but he still failed. And, you know, when he made this declaration that, that um, he will not fall away even if everyone else will, he probably said it in all sincerity, Right? And yet he failed. And, and Jesus' response was, actually, specifically you, Peter, you will disown me three times. He said, no way, Lord, not me. No way, not I. Because he forgot that Jesus knows us much better than we know ourselves. And I think that in his pride, in his pride, Peter failed because he underestimated two things. Okay? The first is this. I think he underestimated the spiritual battle. We've been talking about this, right? We've talked about this several times. That the struggle is real. The struggle against the devil, the evil one, the enemy who seeks to kill, steal, and destroy, it is real. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, and powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. And you know, in the book of Luke, Jesus tells Peter, right? Before Peter, says, oh, I'm ready to die. Jesus tells Peter this. He says, Simon, Simon. This is Peter's other name, okay? Simon Peter. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. And Jesus is saying, Satan wants to test you. He's going to test your faith. And I think we have to realize that the struggle is real. The devil wants to kill, steal, and destroy your faith. You want to live for Jesus, you want to serve Him, you cannot underestimate the spiritual battle that you may have to face. But of course, we don't need to overestimate it either, because if you look at the verse, Satan has to ask God for permission. Satan has asked. If you've read the book of Job, it's the same thing. Satan has to come and ask for permission. And sometimes God allows the testing and He allows the suffering, but don't be mistaken, He's still in control. There is only one authority, and there is only one power, and His name is Jesus. But don't underestimate the spiritual battle. Now, the other, under, the other thing that Peter underestimated was that he underestimated the need for prayer. You see, even Jesus, who is God Himself, He went to pray, right? When Jesus was tempted, you know, in the, in the, in the wilderness, in the desert, before that, He had been fasting and praying for 40 days, That's why we try to follow his example for Lent, right? Before going to the cross to die, Jesus was praying earnestly in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus was so conscious of the spiritual battle, he knew that it was essential to pray. And you know, when Jesus predicted Peter's denial, instead of saying, no, not me, Peter should have asked, how do I stop this? How can I prevent such a disaster? How can I prepare for this testing and for this sifting? And Jesus would have probably said, pray. He says, I have prayed for you, Simon. Now you pray as well. But instead, Peter was like, not me. I'm fine. I'll be just fine. That's what Peter said. That's his attitude. Because pride often leads to prayerlessness. We think we're fine on our own. We don't need to ask God for help. We don't need to spend that much time in prayer. We don't need it. But if we humbly realize that we suck without God, then we will be driven to pray unceasingly, desperately, and earnestly. You want to live for God? You want to serve Him? You have to pray constantly. Because you need God-dependence, not self-confidence. So don't underestimate the spiritual battle and don't underestimate how much you suck without God. You know, Don't underestimate how much you need Him. Right? We talked about this at the beginning of the year. Apart from Him, you can do nothing. So Peter's denial, um, it's a warning for us against pride. It's a warning for us against self-confidence, self-dependence. And yet, my friends, I think that Peter's denial is also a huge encouragement for us. You know, I don't know about you, but um, this story is actually a humongous encouragement for me to know that uh, this loser, (laughs) this this doofus, right, he has this epic fail. But then if you go on to read the rest of the Bible, Peter really became the rock upon which Christ built his church. If you read the book of Acts, just after the Gospels, Peter was pretty much the leader of the early church, the first church. You know, he was a powerful preacher. He went around healing people. We read about how like, his shadow passed them and, and, and just that, they were healed. And even today, he's recognized as one of the greatest saints in Christianity. Who is the head of the, of the 12 apostles? Everybody will say, it's Peter. And I think Peter is the greatest example of how failure is not final. You see, even the greatest of saints have their moments of failure, and even epic failure. But that doesn't have to be the end. So I want to look at what caused the turnaround. What is the remedy? What is the solution to our failure? What what can we do? What is the solution? What is the answer? I hope by now you know that the answer is always Jesus. And you know, this is not just a cliche, right? I want to share with you that with Peter's denial, if you read it carefully, right? At every point and every step of the way, Jesus was for him and not against him. Jesus was there helping him to hold on to his faith and turn back to God. Now, just now we talked about how Jesus actually, he warned Peter that he would be tested, right? Satan has asked to sift you. But you know, he didn't, he didn't stop there. He said, Satan has asked to sift you, but I have prayed for you. I have prayed that your faith, may not fail. And so God knows that we face temptation. We will face temptation to deny Him. But in His grace and in His love for us, firstly, He warns us and secondly, Jesus prays for us. You see, God doesn't just sit back and watch us fail the test. That's what I do to my kids sometimes, you know, because I'm horrible. I'm just like, I warn them. First, I warn them, right? If you jump off that bed... You're gonna hit yourself, okay, and then and you know you're gonna fall or whatever, right? Somebody still wanna do it, right? So I say, okay, you jump, that like you jump, you jump, and sometimes they they scared, right? Oh, but sometimes they jump and they fall, of course, right? And then I say, you see, I told you so, I told you you fall, right? But you know, God's not like that. <laughs> That's not God. It's just me. That's not God. He doesn't just sit back and say, you do that, okay, you do. See, you deny me, I knew it. He didn't say that. He says, Peter, I have prayed for you. I have prayed that your faith will not fail. He says, Peter, I'm rooting for you. That your faith will not fail even if you do dumb things like randomly cut off someone's ear and deny me three times even after I warned you. He says, I have prayed for you, Peter. In the book of Hebrews, it tells us that Jesus always lives to intercede for us. He's our intercessor. He's the one who advocates for us and he prays for us continually. And then here Jesus tells Peter, and when you have turned back. He doesn't say if you survive the test, or if you you know, if you if you manage to make it, he doesn't say that. He says, When? When you have turned back. Because Jesus knew that Peter's failure when he denied cross, it's not the final thing. His denials in that moment did not make him an absolute failure. And so even, even as Peter, as Jesus was warning Peter, he was actually also promising strength to get through the test and he was promising a future when you have turned back. What an encouragement for us. And you know, if you look at John chapter 21, the last chapter of John, some of you may know this scene, right? So Jesus is risen from the dead. He goes Uh, He appears to his disciples, and you know, he specially takes Peter aside. And this is that beautiful moment when he restores and he recommissions Peter. He restores and recommissions him, and he asks Peter three times, Do you love me? Now, do you think that Jesus needed to hear Peter say it three times in order to forgive him? It's not like, okay, you say three times, then I forgive you. It's not like that. The reason why Jesus did that is for Peter, is for Peter's sake. It was the grace and the love and the compassion of Jesus and he deliberately asked three times so that Peter would have the opportunity to say three times, yes, I love you, and, and in sort of in that way to cancel out the three times where he said, I have no idea who this man is. And Jesus did this, I believe, as if to tell Peter, you know, I know you screwed up. I know you denied me three times. But hey, okay, you said I love you three times, so it's done. It's done. The mistake is written off. Right? You don't have to feel guilty about it anymore. And in his great love and mercy, Jesus gave Peter a chance to wipe away his threefold denial. So Jesus prays for us that our faith will not fail. But when we do fail, and we always do, he is gracious to forgive and to restore us. And that's not even the end. He doesn't just restore Peter. He recommissions Peter. You know, despite our epic failures, God is still willing to use us and send us out to serve Him. Three times, Peter denied Jesus. Three times, God gave him the opportunity to declare His love and renew His commitment. And then three times, Jesus gives him a mission. Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep take care of my people. In fact, this is the same thing that Jesus said when he was first warning Peter of this test. Remember, he said, when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Strengthen your brothers. Take care of your brothers. Strengthen my sheep. And so we can see that God can use you despite your failure. Your failure is not final. Satan doesn't have the last word in your life. And so we see that even before Peter denied him. Jesus was for him, not against him. Even after the denial, Jesus was for him, not against him. And that brings me to that part, this part of Peter's story that this really gets me, okay? If you read the account um, in in the book of Luke of Peter's denial, this is what it says. I think I have it. Okay, Luke 22, 60 to 62. Peter replied, so he's denying for the third time. Man, I don't know what you're talking about. And then just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. Verse 61, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. If this was a movie, at this point, it would be the dramatic music, right? It would be the close-up of both their faces. It would be that slow-mo pause and then maybe a flashback of Jesus' previous prediction of Peter's denial, as well as his stupid response, not me, Lord, not me, I'm your guy. It will be like flashbacks crashing into Peter's head. And if you have ever felt like a failure in your life, just think about how Peter felt in this moment. Jesus said, you'll deny me sin. (laughs) Then he denied him. Jesus turned and looked straight at him. And yet you know what, this would be the moment when the person acting as Jesus, this is what he would receive the Oscar for. Because like, what do you think that look on Jesus' face was? The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Now, do you think the look was, I knew it. You see, I told you so. Or do you think the look was like, Do you you understand it, right? What do you think? Do you think that was the look? Now, the Bible doesn't tell us what that look was, right? But but I believe, right, as I shared with you, before his denial, Jesus was for him, not against him. After his denial, Jesus was for Peter, not against him. I am very certain at the moment of his denial, Jesus was also for him, not against him surely, it was a look of love. After the three denials, it was a look of love. And even if that look was partly a, a wounded, grieved, hurt look, I believe it was ultimately a look of love. It was a look of grace, forgiveness, compassion, understanding. Because of what I just shared with you, and because of what we read of Jesus throughout the Gospels. Because, my friends, after all, at that moment when Jesus looked at Peter, he was being sentenced to death on a cross where he would be crucified and die to bear Peter's failure, to bear all our failures, all our guilt and our shame. It is the very reason why Jesus was there on the way to the cross Die because he knew that all of us, fallen humanity, you and I, we are all failures. We are completely unable to save ourselves. We are the exact losers who will say, no, not me. And then go and do the exact thing we said we wouldn't do. And that's why, that's why we need Jesus. That's why we need him to save us. He's our only hope. Because Jesus was fully God, fully man. And therefore, he was the only perfect man who could take our place and bear the punishment for our sin so that none of us would have to suffer the eternal consequences of our failures. That is the whole reason Jesus Christ, God the Son, came to earth. And that is why I believe it was a look of love. It was a look that said, I know, I know you failed. I knew it from the start. But I know and I understand. And I'm hurt, but I forgive you. Now, turn back. Come back. And you know, I believe what made Peter turn back after his epic failure was the love and the grace of Jesus. That at no point, he never stopped loving Peter. He never stopped advocating for Peter, he was always at all points for Peter and not against him. And I don't know if any of you here feel like you have failed Jesus in in the past week or past few weeks or the past year. No, And, and I don't know if any of you here, maybe you feel like, no, Joanne, you, you don't even understand how majorly I've screwed up and have been screwing up. And I want to tell you today that However epic your failure is, however far you may think you have wandered from God, He has never stopped looking on you with that look of love. He's never stopped. The depth of God's love is something we will never fully understand. The Bible says it's a love that surpasses knowledge. And you will never fully know how much God loves you and how much His capacity is for our rubbish and our failures. And my prayer is that really, like Peter, and like myself, and that's the whole reason why I'm a pastor, why I'm a Christian, why I follow Jesus, because I've come to this realization, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. And so it was the love and the grace of Jesus that saved Peter from his failure. It was found in Jesus, the answer is always found in him. But you know, Peter had a part to play as well. Because you see, the remedy and the solution to our failures is found in Jesus Christ. But we have to turn back. We have to turn back to him and receive it. And I want to explain this. If you look at the example of Judas and Peter. You know, both of them betrayed Jesus. Right? Both Judas and Peter, they betrayed Jesus. Je- uh, Judas was also a disciple of Jesus. He was one of the twelve. Same thing. He saw all the miracles. You know, he witnessed love, compassion, everything. The miracles, the greatness of God. But he, he went to the enemies of Jesus and he betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, for money. Now, we know, uh, because we've read that both Peter and Judas, they felt really guilty about what they had done, right? We read that Peter broke down and he wept bitterly, right? He was wrecked. He realized, like, how terrible he was, And if you read about Judas in the book of Matthew, when Judas found out that Jesus was going to be crucified and killed, he was seized with remorse, and he felt so bad, he hung himself. He killed himself. So we know for sure Judas felt really bad as well. So both Judas and Peter, epic failure, betrayed Jesus. They realized it. They felt bad about it. They felt guilty about it. But the difference is this. Judas didn't turn back to receive forgiveness. He just stopped at remorse. He didn't come back in repentance and so he never knew what it was to be restored and recommissioned. Judas had no repentance. He only had remorse. You see, repentance is not about feeling bad. It's not about feeling bad. It's about turning back. And while Judas killed himself, let me show you what Peter did. So Jesus, he was crucified. He was killed. He died on the cross. He was buried in a tomb. Everybody thinks he's dead. But three days after that, he rose from the grave. And some women went to his tomb to put, like, spices and perfume on the body. You know, it's like some funeral, right? And they saw that the huge stone that sealed the entrance to the tomb it had been rolled away. They saw two angels there. There's no body inside Two angels there. They tell they tell uh, the women basically Jesus is not here. He's alive. He's not dead. And the women, of course, they're shocked. They don't know what to think. They go back and tell the disciples what happened. Okay, and this this is the disciples' response, Luke twenty four. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. What what we're talking about, right? Peter, however, he got up and he ran to the tomb. He ran to the tomb. Other disciples didn't believe, but Peter ran. Actually, read the other Gospels. John also ran. In fact, he ran faster. Okay? But anyway, Peter, he ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Okay? Peter ran to the tomb. He heard, what? The, 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 the stone's been rolled away. There's no body inside, etc. He ran to the tomb. One more passage. John 21. Okay? Again, Jesus had been crucified, killed. He was buried in the tomb. Everybody thinks he's dead including the disciples but 3 days later he rose from the dead he's alive right and so he goes to show himself to the disciples now in John 21 the disciples are out at sea they're on a boat cuz they're fishermen okay they they they're, they're out fishing and Jesus he stands on the shore and he says hey friends have you caught any fish and they're so far away so they can't really see right they, they think it's like some random person random extrovert trying to make conversation and they say he's like hey have you caught any fish and they're like no okay and the guy on the shore, Jesus, right? He says, well, throw your net on the right side and you will catch some fish, okay? And so they did that. They throw their net on the right side and then they catch this like, ridiculous amount of fish, okay? There's so much fish, they can't haul the net into their boat because there's so much fish. And you know, you must understand that this exact thing had happened before. It had happened before. Jesus says, hey, let's go catch some fish. And Peter says, wow, we've been fishing the whole night. No fish, okay? But Peter says, "But Jesus, because you say so." Okay, I'll put down the net, and he puts down the net where previously they had caught no fish. Because Jesus says so, he puts down the net, and like, whoa, there's so much fish that the nets are breaking, the boats are gonna sink, and all that. And so they realize, right in that moment, they were, or at least actually John realizes, because Peter is, you know, he's blur. So. John 21, 7, then the disciple whom Jesus loved, John, he said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Peter heard him say, because I don't know why he didn't get it at the fish point, right? But as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he's like, oh my gosh, it's him. And he jumped. He jumped into the water. He, I don't know why he wrapped his, wrapped his coat. Right? He jumped into the water. I guess he swam back, right? Now, here's, here's my theory, okay? Here's what I think. I think that after Peter's denial, I think he spent those three days thinking about Jesus nonstop. What happened with Jesus? All the stuff that he had said. And you know, all through the gospel, Jesus has been telling his disciples that he's going to suffer, he's going to die, he's going to rise again. He's like, I will die and rise again. Huh? Oh, what do you mean? I will die and rise again. They don't get it, right? But I think maybe at this point, Peter began to get it. And I think Peter was holding on to that hope of a resurrection of Jesus, as impossible and unbelievable as it may be for a person to come back from the dead? Because perhaps Peter was thinking, I think Jesus will come back and when he does, oh my goodness, I have to go to him and I have to tell him I'm sorry. See, Peter was waiting for that chance to, re- to repent, to say he's sorry, to go back to Jesus, which is why he ran and he jumped at the slightest possibility that Jesus could be back. And my friends, please note this, that Jesus, you know, Peter didn't say, wow, shucks, I screwed up so bad, I cannot face him. I better hide from him and avoid him. No, he didn't run from Jesus, he ran to Jesus. And that is exactly what we need to do when we fail, whenever we fail. Because Jesus is the God of infinite love and grace and compassion and mercy. Because that is exactly why Jesus came to earth to die on a cross in our place for the sake of you and me. Because He knew that we would always fail. We would keep failing. He knew we cannot save ourselves. But in Jesus, we will find forgiveness, redemption and salvation. The Bible says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, and He will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And in Jesus, that is why we find restoration, forgiveness, new life, new hope, new strength. See, we all fail. We all fail. But what do we do after we fail? Do we go the way of Judas? We stop at remorse. Shucks, I'm so bad. I really, I suck. And we stop there. Or do we be like Peter and we run back to Jesus? Renewing our love. Yes, Lord, I failed. I'll probably fail again. But you know that I do love you. Three times he said that. Let me get the band to come up. Today as we as we wrap up this series. You know, I want to share with you that how you respond to Jesus, how you respond to Jesus, it will make make all the difference. Because He's the God who loves us infinitely, unconditionally. He is the God of amazing grace, the God who saves us from our failures and our sin and our guilt and our shame. He's the God who heals. He is the light who defeats our darkness. He's the God who is in control of the universe, the wind, the waves. He's the creator. He's the all-powerful God above all powers, all spiritual forces. He's more powerful than death even. That's why he could rise from the dead. But you know, my friends, there's no point in knowing all this. There's no point in in just knowing about Jesus. Because if he truly is the all-powerful God, who loves us and has given His life for us, then the only thing that would make sense for us to do is to say, you are my God, you are my King, and I will surrender my life to you and choose to be your follower all the days of my life. You know, especially for our visitors today, thanks for listening to me talk about our God for the past hour or so. I just want to ask everyone right now, if you could just take a minute to close your eyes so that no one is is looking around at at everything and would you just consider all that has been shared and what it means to you personally the story of Peter's denial epic failure is really a story of God's epic grace forgiveness His love And if you think through all that we've talked about, all the, all the encounters with Jesus, we have to ask ourselves, well, who is He to me? Who is Jesus to me? Who is Jesus to me? And, and, and whoever He is to you, what will you do in response to Him. And I just want to ask, while, while everyone's eyes are closed, you know, if there's anyone here, if you've never made that decision before, but today you say, yeah, I want to follow this Jesus, and you want to receive His forgiveness and, and grace and love and salvation, just as Peter did, despite his failures. If you want to let God be the Lord of your life, would you just raise your hand so I can pray for you? You know, if there's anyone here, if you are feeling like a failure for whatever reason, if Peter can be restored and recommissioned, so can you. God's grace and His love is, is limitless and at every point He is for you and not against you. And he's waiting for you to receive His forgiveness and restoration today. He's waiting for you to turn back. I want us to just if we can just keep our eyes closed for, for just a little while more. I'm going to pray a prayer And if that's the desire of your heart, would you pray along with me? You can pray in your heart to surrender your life to Jesus. Surrender your failures, your weaknesses, and ask Him to be your Savior. Dear God, I fully acknowledge that I cannot save myself from my own failure, from my own sin. I need you God. And I want to be a follower of Jesus. I give you my life. Because you have given me your life. And I want you to be my God and my king. I receive your forgiveness and your love. And I call you my father, my lord, my king. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. I'm just going to invite us to stand right now, and we're going to end with a song. And um, as we sing, I just want to uh, open the altar in front. Um, we just open this space. It's it's nothing magical or weird or whatever. But if if you if you want to be prayed for, you want to receive prayer, maybe. I don't know, as I was preparing um, for this message this week, I feel like maybe there are people among us who who you feel like a failure, you know. And, and I just want to tell you that failure is not final. That at every point, Jesus has been for you, not against you. He's advocating for you. He's rooting for you. He's saying, just like he said for, to, to Peter, I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. Now turn back. And, and so we're just going to open this space as we as we sing and if anyone would like um, prayer I invite you to come to the front Cheers. Just... Let me just close in prayer. God, we thank you so much for your love and for your grace to us. That God, we fail so many times and in so many ways. We don't measure up. We are weak and we're just not good enough. But God, we thank you that in our weaknesses and in our sin and in our failure, you love us you gave your life for us so God we thank you for grace we thank you for your mercy the compassion we thank you for forgiveness that is found in you and we thank you that in you you make all things new you restore you recommission us you renew you renew our love for you so Father would you be with us as we seek to pursue you and follow you and obey you would you strengthen us for the sake of your name and your glory God I thank you for everyone who's here today I pray that you will bless us and now may the love of God and his grace be with you always may the Lord turn his face and shine upon you and look upon you with his love in Jesus name we pray Amen our service is over we're just going to leave the front open for a little while Thank you for joining us. See you again next week.